The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.christbaptistmokopani.com. Great to uh, speak to you today from uh, Luke 11, uh, Luke 5 verses 1 to 11. And I don't know, it's a very special text for me. It's spoken to me uh, on many occasions. Um, and I hope that it will speak to you today. I'm sure that you should get something out of the message. Um, but my message is entitled, Jesus Knows Best, or Who is the Expert in Your Life? So often, because of life circumstances and the things that happen to us, and the things that we struggle with, the things that we go through, we think that we know best about what we should do with our lives. We often think that we have the right answers for every circumstance in our lives. But as we shall see in the text today, that this is not strictly true. Amen. So I would like to read for you <clears throat> from uh, verse 1 to 11. Um, so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. O Lord, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. So, the strange thing about this text is that Jesus was preaching to the multitude, but you don't know what he was saying to the multitude. So, obviously, he was preaching things about the kingdom, and he was exhorting the people to, to give up their lives and to follow Christ and to follow God. We don't know. So, we can surmise... <clears throat> And speculate as much as we want 
about which German, what Jesus was saying, but we just don't know. But the thing that we do know, and is really obvious, is that Jesus had pinpointed Simon Peter. And he was there actually, he might have been there for the masses, because Jesus would speak to anybody at any time. He used a boat as his pulpit so that he could minister to the masses. But whose boat was it? It was Simon Peter's boat. Now why did he specifically choose Simon's boat? Because he had a word for Simon. He wanted to speak to Simon. Because you see, this was not the first encounter that Simon had with Jesus. When you look in Matthew 4, from 18 to 22, and Mark's 1, 16 to 20, there are parallel versions of the same event. Jesus was walking by the sea, Gennesaret, and he saw fishermen cleaning their nets, and he called them to follow him. And it says they gave up everything to follow him. But when we read this text, we discover something else. They went back to fishing. This isn't the same event. Wearsby says that they left their calling to follow Christ and they went back to fish. How like us. So often we make this commitment to God we promise God all these things and then we find ourselves back in the old tracks again. Doing what we think we should be doing. And Jesus wanted to make a point today. So let's just pray and ask the Lord that He would speak to us today. Maybe there is something that God would say to you. Because every time I read this passage, there's something that he would say to me. And so we trust that uh, the Lord will speak to us and uh, minister. Father, we come before you and we just pray that you would reveal yourself to us this morning through your word, that you would speak to us through your word. And we know that this happened 2,000 years ago. We know that you were speaking to Simon Peter that you were speaking to another group of people but your word is relevant for us today and that you wish to speak to us you wish to speak into our lives today and so we trust you for that in Jesus name so Jesus climbs into Simon's boat so talk about a captive audience so Jesus couldn't leave until Jesus was out of the boat. So it was pretty obvious what Jesus was wanting to do. He wanted to get away from the crowd, but more specifically, he wanted Simon Peter's attention. It's like if I get in your car and I refuse to leave until I finish speaking to you. Do you mean I've got you as a captive audience? 
You're not going anywhere until I get out of the car. Unless you can throw me out, which Simon was too polite to do that, but... And have you... Whoops. I don't know what's wrong with this thing today. Have you ever felt that Jesus had you as captive audience? That He wanted to say something specifically to you today? Have you ever felt that He's got your attention in a way that you have to pay attention? And sometimes God does it. Sometimes He's got a stranglehold on your finances. Sometimes He's got a stranglehold on your health. Sometimes everything seems to be going wrong and you're struggling with this and you're struggling with that and all God is trying to do is to get your attention because He wants to speak to you. So many times Jenny and I, and I have had the problem of our finances just drying up as missionaries. Ah. And then we've got to ask God why. The one time we were living in this beautiful flat, we were away from the base uh, in Vintuk. We were uh, living there as missionaries. We were away from the base and our finances dried up. And we were kind of like, God, what's the problem? Well, the problem was that we didn't want to move back to the base. Because God had been speaking to us about going back. And we were just deaf to what God was saying because we liked our situation so much back in the day. And so the finances dried up and we had to go back to the place. And sometimes just God just does stuff to get our attention. And we need to pay attention and ask Him, what's going on? And it's always to be a blessing. So Simon is standing there with the crowd as Jesus is talking. And the Bible says in Romans 10 verse 17, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. It's like when we listen to a sermon or when we read scripture and the Bible is speaking to us. And God is speaking to us specifically. That specific word will, 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 will generate faith in our hearts to trust God for what He's saying. And we've experienced that so often. That God speaks to us through His word. And His word generates faith in our hearts to trust Him for something that He would want us to do. Amen. It's not always easy to do what God wants us to do. But when we receive the word of God in our hearts and He speaks to us through His word or through the Holy Spirit, then we know what to do and that we are able to do it because of what God is saying to us. And so we see that Jonah was back in the fishing business. He had received a call, his mother had been healed, 
by Christ. And so, you know, he had, he had really experienced the Lord. He had met with the Lord. And so often we experience the Lord. We have met with the Lord. And yet, in spite of that, sometimes we just go back to doing what we want to do and we're not open to what God wants us to do. I remember many years ago, I was a missionary in Namibia. I come from Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe is a beautiful country. It has perennial rivers. It has the, what, the most wonderful trees. And it's just often green except in winter. And then God sent me to Namibia and I hated Namibia. Because like you see a river that was dry for most of the year and when it rained the river would two or three days and then it was gone. And it was just dust and rocks and thorn trees and except in the north and I couldn't stand it that God would put me in the desert and I didn't want to be there. And so I got the opportunity to go to, to Hilbra. And I thought, man, this is the place for me. This is where I want to be. So I went to Hilbra. I was there for, I think, 11 months. Then I went to the biblical counseling school. And on that counseling school, I sensed God wanting to send me back to Namibia. Did I kick? I kicked with all my might because I didn't want to do what God wanted me to do. I thought that if I work for God, I need to choose the ministry and the area where I want to work. And God just kept on picking at me. You know when He gets busy with you, He doesn't let up. And it becomes kind of like irritating. That God can be so persistent. So I'm sensing that God wants me back in Namibia. Eventually I say, okay God. You ever talk to God like that? Or maybe you're so holy you don't do that. You know? Well, I'm sorry. Occasionally I've spoken to God like that. So I said, alright, if the base leader comes to me, or the, the school leader of the, of the biblical counseling school comes to me and he asks me to go, I'll go back. Sure enough, here comes Sam. Of course, we think you should go back to Namibia. Oh man, I nearly pulled my hair out. I did have hair then. And... Uh, and so I continued to struggle and to kick. And then I went to, uh, to uh, YWAM 25 year celebration conference. And there the speaker spoke on the justice of God. And this was like the final nail in my coffin. Where the speaker said, if God in, his, God in His justice will always give you the grace and the ability to love the place that He sends you to. I had no more arguments. I had to go back to Namibia and I grew to love that country and ministered effectively there for many years before coming to South Africa. 
But you know, like Peter, there was another guy in the Bible that also ran away from the will of God, and that was old Jonah. We all know about Jonah. They all like to focus on the fish. Well, that was an extreme way of God getting his attention by having him thrown overboard. But the fact was, Jonah was one of those guys, and I would profess it, and many would profess it. He said, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. He was saying, hey man, I'm a God-fearing person. I fear the Lord. And yet, he was sleeping in the middle of a storm and everybody was panicking. And that's what often happens to people that are disobeying God. They become totally indifferent to those people around them. Because they're so busy running away from what God wants them to do that they don't care about you or me anymore. Because they didn't care about the Ninevites. He didn't care about the Ninevites. And so, Jonah, eventually they wake him up and say, Hey, why are you sleeping? He says, Well, I'm a, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord who, made, who, who created the heavens and the earth. You know, he knew exactly what was going on. And yet, they throw him into the sea and God gets him to where he wants him to be anyway. But the thing that, that when he landed, it says in Jonah 3 verse 1, it says, And the word of the Lord came a second time. You know, God speaks to us often. He spoke to uh, uh, Peter often. He called Peter in Matthew 4. And then again in, 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 in Luke 5. And then when Jesus was buried and Jesus was in the grave, where did Peter go? He went back fishing because he couldn't understand what was going on even though he had walked three years with Jesus. He was still struggling to get it. And yet Jesus came and met with him again. And there he really became uh, the man that God wanted him to be. So for me in this account it's like how God demonstrates his grace and patience with us as he prepares us to be the vessels that he wants us to be. So now Jesus is preaching from Simon's boat and after Jesus dismisses the crowd he turns to Simon and he says to him launch into the deep and let down your nets. Now this is where things can get tricky. We always think that we are the expert the one that knows best about our lives. And so, some of us have studied engineering, some of us have studied to be a doctor, others have studied theology, others have done various vocations, doesn't matter what you've studied. But you kind of like tend to think that you're an expert in your field of study. 
And that when a poor boy like me comes and he talks to a lawyer like Evan, and Evan just shakes his head and says, man, let me help this guy. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Are you with me? Because you're an expert in your field. You've been studying it for four or five years, and so you know. And it doesn't matter what the vocation is that you're doing, you think that you are an expert in your vocation, you're an expert at your circumstances because you are experiencing this thing right now, you are experiencing this difficulty or whatever it is that you're going through. And you kind of like, and Peter could have said to Jesus, listen, when Jesus said, um, I want you to launch out into the deep and lower your nets. Peter could have said to Jesus, hey. Well, he did. He said, Lord, we've been fishing all night. And you, maybe you could hear the exasperation in his voice. You know? Yeah, I was a carpenter telling Jesus, I mean telling a fisherman what he should do. Now, in that particular time, Everybody knew that you fish at night when you fish in shallow water. And you don't fish in the deep. So here comes Jesus in the afternoon and he says to him, just launch out into the deep there and cast out your nets. And that's often the problem, is that when somebody comes to us that is not an expert in our field, or is not necessarily... Um, caught up in our circumstances and in the way that and the things that you're going through then we tend to want to ignore them just like Simon Simon was called he gave up everything but he ended up back in the boat and he was fishing why? because he reverted to what was easy he reverted back to what he knew and he was still to grow in his faith. Are you with me on this? And that's what happened with Peter. He ended up doing what he knew he shouldn't be doing. And Jesus, in his loving and gracious way, just persisted with him. And he ended up next to the lake, preaching in his boat and telling him what to do. And, you know, back to Jonah. If you want to talk about somebody like Jonah, Jonah was a Jew. And the Jews hated the Ninevites because the Ninevites were a cruel people. They weren't very kind to their enemies. And the thing was that Jonah understood the character of God. He knew that God was a God of love. He knew that God was a God of loving kindness. And he knew as a prophet that God speaks to the nations. And that God wants to reveal himself to the nations. And yet because of him being a Jew, I think that was a great problem in apartheid. And it's the great problem today is that people, even though they go to church, 
They still don't love black people and some black people don't love white people. And they're in the church and they know what they should do. They should love their neighbor as themselves. But they're not willing to do it. Oh, man. Sorry about that. I'm not sure why this thing keeps falling off. Maybe if I do that. Anyway. So often we see things differently to how God sees them. And we see it from our perspective. So that's your intellectual response, you know, your own thinking, your own mind. This is how you look at it. And so we tend to uh, ignore God. And then you have the emotional response that many people have. We work all day, we're busy with this and we're busy with that. <laughs> and as I mentioned earlier, Peter says, Lord, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. You know, physical labor makes you tired. Working makes you tired. Whether you're working as an accountant, working with figures all day, you mentally get tired. If you work with your hands, you physically get tired and so on. And so often when we need to be doing something for God, I'm too tired. I haven't got the energy. I don't want to do it. I want to sleep. I want to rest. It's my right to do that. And Peter could have said that. He said, but Lord, you've been fishing all night. It's, it's, we clean our nets. Tonight we'll go out again. We'll go rest now. We'll go eat, sleep. And then we'll come back. And we'll start again. And yet, his response was the right response. But at your word. When God speaks to us through his word, when that word comes to us and it becomes real to us at your word, I will let down the nets. That was the best decision that he could ever have made was to obey God. So when God comes to us and he says, don't go out with an unsaved person, don't marry an unsaved person, then you don't marry an unsaved person because it's for your benefit, right? If God says, oh, so many things. In our lives. If God says forgive someone, then forgive them. If just so many things in our lives that could hinder us and we could make excuses about for not obeying God. You know? It's like even in families we have problems. Like my brother always used to be angry and bitter at me because he felt my dad favored me over and against him. And the thing that made him feel that way was he always was losing his school shoes and he was always losing his school hat and I never was. So, <coughs> excuse me, so for my birthday I'd get a fishing box. For his birthday I'd get a new school hat. So he kind of like felt rejected but my dad didn't mean it like he was just trying to teach him look after your stuff. You know? And, uh, and boy that carried on into 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 the 40s 
And before he finally got over that kind of a thing, he just carried this thing with him. And yet my dad loved him. <laughs> Maybe he could have showed him a different way, but... So we need to have the right response at your word. I will. Because he, he brings his word to us about various situations. We can read it in scripture, we can hear it from the pulpit, we can get it in a book, we can get it just about anywhere. Where anybody's ministering the word of God and then when it applies to us, we know that it applies to us and we do as God instructs us to do. At your word. That is so important for us to do that. So the thing is, the question that we need to ask ourselves, how seriously do we take the word of God? That's the question. Jonah got the word of God, go and preach to the Ninevites, and he took off in the opposite direction. So what measures must God take for us to obey His Word? So during this, oh, I've spoken about this, but during the storm He said, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. And that's the problem with Christianity, is we all think that we fear God. But the one scripture that came out clearly, uh, I think last week in the sermon, was in John 14. And Jonah was a prophet. Peter had heard the word of the Lord. And he says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. This is the thing that we see right here in this scripture. But at your word I will let down the nets. God, Jesus manifested himself to him. How did he manifest himself to him? As the Lord God creator of the universe. He knew exactly what was going on in the Sea of Genesaret. He knew exactly that that fish, those fishes, that school of fishes would be passing by at that moment. Something that we could never know. So it's just sometimes we need to obey God and so when they let down the nets, the catch was so great that they thought that they were sinking. And so they had to call uh, the other boat to come and help them. But God manifested himself in that situation. Which is what is really important that when we obey God, he manifests himself to us. And one of the things that came out in Lucas's sermon uh, last week was, hey, if we love God, we obey God. We keep His commandments. That's the one surefire way that we can know that our love, from God, love for God is hot. And that God knows that we love Him. So the outcome of his obedience, he saw that Jesus understood his profession better than he did. And that's one thing you better know. It doesn't matter if you're a financier, doesn't matter 
what you are. God knows your profession better than you do. And one of the things that we learned uh, when we were in YWAM was that for us to experience God in certain manners, there were always steps of obedience that we had to had to ask God to show us so that we could experience His blessing. And so the, the experience that, that uh, He had was to launch out into the deep, cast out the nets. Amen. And sometimes, and that was a faith thing for Him because I don't think He believed he was just doing it out of pure obedience, honoring the master, whatever. But, and because he saw that Jesus understood his profession better than, than he did, Peter's obedience gave him a greater insight into who Jesus was. Amen. <laughs> and so, what he understood was no longer head knowledge, but experiential knowledge. And that's where we want to be in our walk with God, is to experience God in our daily lives, in almost every facet of our lives. And I believe that that's possible. And this kind of knowledge takes us deeper into understanding the heart of God. And that's what we want in our walk with Him. Uh, Peter and his crew benefited by the catch. Uh, it was an extraordinary catch, so that meant more cash in the pocket for him, I guess, for him and his team. And the main thing that took place, and this is the most important thing, a real transformation began to take place in his life. Because he said to Jesus, when all was said and done, he said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. So the transformation now had begun to take place. At this particular meeting. And so that became something that was a part of his life. Because at the end, in verse 11, it says, And when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all, and they followed him. So there was now this transformation. So in Matthew 4, it was like head knowledge. It didn't really sunk down into their hearts. And sometimes God takes us through a process so that a truth can sink down into our hearts so that we can obey him. And he will keep at it. He will keep at you until He has you where He wants you. Are you with me? Because He loves you and He knows what's best for you. So God is the best medicine bottle that you will ever take because He knows what you need. <coughs> and His goal in your life is transformation. I remember uh, one of the things I did uh, discipleship training school in YWAM and I coasted on that revelation 
and uh, well, I did the school of uh, evangelism straight afterwards, but I coasted on that revelation for, I don't know, a year, two years, and it was something that happened there, but I needed something to take place on a, out of a relationship with God that was ongoing. But I, I coasted on stuff that had happened in the past. And then I kind of like had that sinking feeling in my heart and my mind that I needed more. And that's why a lot of these guys go to the Toronto Blessing to go and get a blessing in another country. Well, the blessing's living right here. It's right in your heart. His name is Jesus. It's God in you. The hope of glory. We don't have to go far to seek a blessing. The blessing is here. We just need to pay attention. Amen. Because He's living in you. He's not far. You don't have to. Well, you do have to come to church. I love coming to church. I was asked the other day, let's go climbing on Sunday. I said, no, no, no. I'm going to church. I like going to church. You know what I mean? And so I'm glad to be here. But, um, <laughs> and so when God, and out of this thing of, of Peter, um, and this response that he had, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. <laughs> Even when we're more mature as believers, when God does something deeper in our lives, or God wants to reveal something about His ways and His character, there normally will be some kind of repentance that takes place when we, when we see more of God. We read about Job who was a righteous man before God. And God said to Satan, here is Job. Look at Job. There's no one like Job. But right at the end, after Job had gone through all of his miserable experiences, what did he do? He repented. Because he saw God for who he really was. And I think that we don't <coughs> have the full picture all the time. And that God is continually revealing himself to us. And we're understanding more and more about God's ways, about God's character, about God's word, as we mature. So, and often we will say, God, but I've been in unbelief about this. I repent. I'm sorry. And so we go deeper and deeper in our walk with God. So, and often it's a preparation for blessing. And I think the greatest blessing is just to know more and more about who God is. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and so, with Simon's revelation of who he was, that he was a sinner, God revealed himself to him. He manifested himself to him and he said, from now on you will catch people. And the Greek word is Zogron. You will catch men alive. Amen. And so, God will reveal himself to you. And I, don't, and I do think he wants us to testify more about who he is. And I notice old Dominique brings friends and I think she kind of like talks about the Lord. That Dominique. 
and so on. So that's kind of exciting that she's like bringing people to church with her or bringing them to the Bible study and so on and so on. And, and you know, sometimes we feel in, inhibited to do that with family and with friends, but we should just tell them, you know, um, and invite them. Even if they get mad, so what? I mean, I remember one lady in our family told her husband was going to hell. How can you tell my husband he's going to hell? I said, well, the way he lives, he's sure going to hell. And if you ask me again, I'll tell you the same thing. Because it's grace for them to know that. It's loving for them to know that. It's not loving for you to just cover it up. Even though it's an unpleasant message. My dad kept telling me, you're going to hell if you don't repent. He was right. Lucky I'm elected. <laughs> so God didn't let go of me, that's for sure. Anyway, so my whole message today is just that when God speaks to you, obey Him. Because it will lead to a blessing, it will lead to a deeper revelation of who He is. And, and that's just so special, you know. So be encouraged that even though we have issues in following God and there's things that we struggle with, He will come again. Just like He did with Peter in, in John 21. And He revealed Himself Again with a big catch. So that Peter could be restored and continue with what God wanted him to. Because sometimes things in, in life is tough. And we struggle. And like Lucas was talking about, he was talking about some of the things we struggle with is is, is doubt. We, we doubt. Sometimes we do. There's no shame in that. But God comes in here and He confirms us. He confirms us through His Word. And He tells us, I love you. I care for you. You're going to heaven. You're going to be with me. There's no... Um, just leave you to try and figure it out yourself. He reveals Himself to us. So please... Take this lesson to heart and forsake everything to follow Him. I don't mean you have to stop working and doing this and that, but everything that hinders you from experiencing God fully, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's bitterness, whether it's something that hinders you in your walk with the Lord, because He wants to deal with that. And if there's anything, then repent and you will experience God at a deeper level. Just like Simon did. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we love you. We praise you. We ask you to <clears throat> continue revealing yourself to us today. So such a simple word, Lord. And such a simple truth, actually. But it can become complicated by life circumstances and, and by the things that we have learned 
from the world and the bombardments that we keep experiencing. But Lord, come and, and minister to us, Lord. Thank you that you leave us examples in your word. And we just, uh, like Peter, and we know what happened to Peter on the day of Pentecost. So we just want to say, Lord, we thank you, we love you, and uh, we just ask for your, your watch care over us in this week to come. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.